Welcome to RGM. Are you in a band? Come and join us. Simply click on the RGM submission page, submit your music, and we'll sort the rest. Welcome to the podcast. You're here. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the RGM Experience Podcast. A podcast where we delve into the grassroots music industry. We have a little nosy about what's going on down there. Uh, we find creative people, interesting people, beds. <laughs> we speak to loads of different types of people within the industry and tell their story because it's always unique. Um, yeah, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the podcast this week. My name's Carl Bologna, that guy from RGM Magazine. How are you doing, Yanni? Yeah, nice one. We're on the business end of our podcast today. We've got Neil from Aggressive Management here. Now, uh, we talk about it on the podcast podcast a little bit, but Neil's been a bit of a unofficial mentor for me throughout my journey, you know, setting up RGM. He's always been there to help me. And he's one of those people you need around. Uh, he doesn't bullshit you, you know. He'll tell you when you've been a dick. He'll tell you when, you know things should change or if you're doing something wrong uh well he won't just tell you i mean if you ask him he'll give you his honest opinion is basically what it is he's just not out there like pointing at everything you know uh, and i always ask him for advice and he gives it me um, and tells me right uh, and it's always been appreciated that everybody needs a kneel in their lives um and if you're in a band um if you're thinking about strategies you know management tours uh, this guy knows it all. He's been in and around the industry for many, many years. And he's been there, seen seen it, done it. Uh, so hang around on the podcast, ladies and gentlemen. We've got a, a good chat. We have a good laugh and all, you know. Uh, there are certain things that winds him right up. And I knew what to ask. So I asked him. Uh, yeah. Yeah, bad manager to Apollo Junction that are actually... Uh, pushing for a chartered album this this week. You'll see it all over the aggressive management socials and and that. Can they? Can they? Can you know? If you're an Apollo Junction fan, uh, have a listen to the previous episode that we had a chat with the boys on the on the podcast. They're trying to chart this week, which is exciting. So if you've not bought their album yet, you know, jump on, give it a stream, do whatever you can to try and support the boys. Uh, mine's on order. Yeah, it manages October Drift. Just about to go on your big European tour with them, you know, to tour manage that thing. Always looking out for new talent. Interesting lad. Funny and all, you know. Uh, so, yeah, stick around and we've got a great chat for you. So, what have you been up to this week then, eh? I've got a few gigs coming up this week. Uh, a bit of time off work, you know, half term and all that kind of stuff. Uh, Wednesday, I'm got, I've got a massive recording day for for the podcast, which I'm excited about. Yeah, I'll tell you about that later, you know. Tease you. Uh, but Friday, paper scenes at Oldham 33 in Manchester, I'm going to see. I met Cal, uh, who we had on the podcast in a previous episode. Uh, listen to the archives if you're interested, boys and girls. Yeah, met Cal at the This Feeling gig in Bridlington. Got on well with him. I've you know, got him on the podcast. Had a good chat. And I'm going to watch his band for the first time on Friday down at Oldham 33. Nice one. Saturday, I'm going to watch Shed 7. Yeah, we had Rick Witter on the podcast talking about the tour as well. So and it all links in, doesn't it? All links in. Yeah, so I'm going to watch Shed 7 on Saturday. Week after, I'm going to watch Spangled at Gorilla. Loads going on at the minute. Loads of shows going on. It's nice. Not as many releases going out there at the minute. It seems really slow on that side of it. Just from the point of view of a magazine, there's just not as much going on. October's gone. Well, it's, it's been really quiet. Concerningly quiet. Um, but it just must be all the tours after festival season, I think. Um, I hope. <laughs> Yeah, what one big uh, great chat that we had with Neil. All around bands understanding what it's like from a promoter's point of view with gigs and stuff. Because promoters get a bit of a hard, hard stick sometimes with yeah when when things come down to money and that kind of stuff and payments and that kind of stuff. And Neil had a you know a, a great um, you know view on 
all of this. What goes on in the industry? Um, yeah, might as well crack on, haven't we? Teased it enough, I think. Kept you hanging. Ladies and gentlemen, let's have a chat with Neil from Aggressive Management. Neil Hargreaves, take it away, mate. Uh, just a little thing that I've started to say at the beginning of this uh, podcast, particularly on you YouTube viewers. Uh, I've been having a look at some stats, and 90% of the people that are watching our videos at the minute aren't subscribers. So if you could help us out, press the little button in the bottom, bottom right there, and it's just easy for you to press subscribers. It'll really help us out. Thanks for that. And we won't let you down with this content, because today we've got Neil Argreaves from Aggressive Management. Hi, mate. Hi, mate. This is where your subscribers will rock it. <laughs> they won't. They don't listen, do they? People don't listen, no. do they? Yeah, they don't. Oh, everything you just said is an absolute waste of time. <laughs> no, but I just feel like I've got to. I just feel like I've got to fucking try. <laughs> it's hard working. Right? It, well, I'm fine. Thank, thanks for joining us today, mate. So I know you're a bit no. of a YouTuber. You've got these all these tours. You're a band manager. You've got so much going on, Neil. Thanks for joining us today, Paul. It's all right, mate. I'm just. Uh, I've had to inject coffee before doing this. I'm yeah. so tired. But oh, nice. nice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Let's get into it. it. Yeah, let's get into it, mate. Well, I just wanted to start off because I think you, for, for me, you, my relationship with you over the years, you've been a little bit of a unofficial mentor for me. So I just wanted to thank you for that over the years to start off with, pal, because you've always pointed me in the, in the right direction when I've gone some wrong directions through the years as well. So that's always appreciated. You're welcome. No problem. Like and, trim and, your eyebrows and all that. All that <laughs> yeah, box. trim your eyebrows. Yeah, off yeah. well, it? Yeah, yeah, that's it. Stop <laughs> drinking at a certain hour. Never got any good at that. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to officially say that, mate. So, you know, I've known you for a few years. I've known, uh, been around you and your brother, the Hargreaves, you know, you guys just for many years. And uh, you've always supported what we did. And, and, and you were kind of there right at the start when I was thinking about really going for it with our gym and you gave me some advice at the past to you know ruffle a few feathers and you know don't be a boring magazine like like the like the market's quite saturated with so that's kind well, of what we've we, we, well we're still i don't think we're there as edgy as what i'd like to be because it's as its own challenges doing that but um i think we've we've, we've had a good go at it i think yeah i agree with that i think um so I've obviously watched your progress all over all this yeah. time and stuff, and I think it's gone really well. I think ruffling the feathers is probably, uh, it's obviously in my nature naturally sometimes, but I think what you've done, you've gone about it the right way, and I think you've done it with the right intentions, and you've seen the backlash that you get. <laughs> <laughs> you do, don't you? But, but yeah. it's fun, isn't it? You know, like, because I've always, I've always said it, and I've said it on this podcast, I live in the real world, and conversations are there. Real people are allowed to have, to disagree with each other. Real people are allowed to, particularly in this music industry that we're in. Yeah, where are the real conversations at the minute? Because, you know, um, let, let's just chat about when things go right, when things go wrong, when I've dropped a bollock. I, I've, I've mentioned it all the time on this podcast. Uh, you know, part of growing and creating something is dropping a bollock and learning from it as well, isn't it? So it's just like, yeah. what do you do? I think, well, there's a couple of things. One is that when you talk to people in the real world, yeah. they don't have the conversations that you would have uh, if you're interviewing for a magazine, yeah. for example, yeah. uh, they just tell the truth, don't they? And just they yeah. say what they think, whether they like yeah. a band or not, or what what they think of what they're wearing or what they're doing or whatever. Yeah. Um, you know, just like gossipy, bitchy stuff every now and again, yeah. uh, or just opinions um, that they wouldn't necessarily express. And I think uh, the other one is kind of, I think bands and artists learn more if you talk about um, the stuff that goes wrong and the standard, the pitfalls and things like that, because yeah. they, they can kind of keep an eye on what to avoid as well. Do you know, there's no point in painting that yeah. the music industry is like a rosy thing. Yeah. Um, uh, and that everything's like sweetness and light. Whenever you talk to people, it's not, cause it's not true. Is it? It's not real. No. So uh, I'm, I, I'm life in yeah. either. Is it, you know, it's, you know, yeah. it, it's a hard uh, to, to be a creative and to, and to express yourself creatively these days. That's a horrible phrase. I think, um, I think, which phrase? What did you say? What did I say? Oh, yeah, expressing yourself creatively. Sounds a bit yeah, so fair enough. That, is that right? Yeah. 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 So yeah, it, it right. has its own challenges and, you know, it doesn't necessarily earn you money to be able to do it, you know, full time, does it as well sometimes, which is annoying to some people and me. I think, I think a lot of bands and artists would be surprised about the level that you have to achieve before you do uh, manage to yeah. make any money out of it. Because I think, yeah. I think there's... 
you know, I've I've known bands that have charted, bands that have uh, done national tours and even played in Europe and stuff that still have jobs, you know, yeah. and, and still shoveling money into the band. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think um, there's there's kind of a lack of uh, not reality or real information, but there's a lack of like knowledge and information sometimes about what level you have to be at before it turns into a profit making thing. Because like one thing every musician will say to you is that they want to be able to do this for a living. Uh, which is like that. Obviously, that's the target. That's the goal for a lot of musicians because that's what they want to do because they love making the music, which is the important bit. Um, but to get there, wow, it's a, that's a long road. That is, and is, and you have to really do well to get to that point. You know, what stage do you think you have to be at then before what's realistic? Like, what kind of level mu- uh, bands you see out there that have just reached that level of being able to maintain? It's difficult to say because I think you you never know what a band's finances are like from the outside, dear. So like when you're looking at bands that are, you see are playing big, big shows and UK tours and traveling to Europe and got albums out and you know everything's looking great, they're still shoveling cash in and still heading to work nine o'clock tomorrow morning. That's mad, isn't it? It's mad, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, and I think what what would really help is if you could. Like I'm a tour manager, so I get to see all the uh, everything to do with like touring. Um, I'm a band manager, so I see everything financials with bands. Yeah. It would be really interesting if there could be some kind of uh, website that just splatters on it, like the the financial breakdowns of how a band's doing on a tour and uh, on an album campaign and just on a day to day basis, so that ba- so that bands are up and coming still have that ambition to be able to make it for a living, but are still a little bit or a little bit more aware of what level you have to get to and what you have to do mm. to to make that kind of cash and that kind of money. So I presume every band's obviously got their own deal, haven't they? And and, yeah. and you never hear what a band deal is. So there, there must be that it must be massive discrepancies in what bands get from certain record labels or throughout the yeah. whole industry. There, there, there won't be a Yeah. There won't be a chart that yeah. says at this stage you get this. It's this stage you get this. It's it's however no. greedy, greedy. It's I suppose in a way it's how much can the record company get away with. I suppose. But it's, it's well, there's the I can't say too much. But like I've been dealing with one very toxic relationship with a record label, and like the financials are a right mess. Mm. Uh, and then another record label, like a smaller one, where it's like absolutely fantastic, but they don't have the the oomph and the power to be able to, you know, uh, push the band out further. So swings and roundabouts. But I guess what I was trying to say out is that, and one example of this is like with the merch fees, uh, you know, that like when you go to, I don't know, O2 Academies or yeah. bigger bigger shows and stuff, and they start wanting to take 25% plus VAT off your merch, yeah. off your merch sales. Um, when that was kind of discussed a while back, weren't it, online uh, a few weeks ago, and it kind of, a lot of bands were shocked that that was even a thing. Mm. But like, um, in reality, it does happen. It, happen, it happens in, you know, O2 Academies, it happens in other big venues, and definitely happens out in Europe. Some, mm. some of the European ones, like the arenas especially, horrific, like yeah. some really, really bad, stingy takes off your merch take and i think little things like that we're talking financials a lot here but it, it does kind of matter and it is it, it, you know i'd like less bands to be shocked by it and more bands to be aware of it and more bands to be informed about it so you know they see the potential pitfalls even though it's like not relevant to them at that moment in time it's just a good eye-opener and a bit of experience yeah. I, I did see live nation have stopped doing that now they, they used to do it and they've, they've, they've announced that they are going to stop doing it I think well, have oh, so I think that's like uh, from from what I read, the headline was that, which right, makes them look fantastic. And then I think the reality is they're doing it for three months. Oh, they're just testing it until they bring it so. out. Oh, yeah, because right. these people put their own people on the merch stand as well, don't they? So it's not yeah. you're probably yeah. not you're probably not getting the kind of the level of service that you want as a fan. You get no. you, you're getting some just random bloke that's just selling some t-shirts rather than. Uh, a member of the band because I know your son does a lot of the merch stuff for October Drift that you manage as well, doesn't he? And the, yeah, it does, the, yeah. The October Drift fans will get a different experience from someone that's part of the team than yeah. somebody that works for the venue as well. 
Um, yeah, definitely. So, like, if a fan comes up to the merch table, like, for example, October Drift, where you mentioned, mm-hmm. we have Josh on merch, who's obviously a massive fan as well yeah. of the band, uh, knows all the ins and outs and stuff. And Wearing then a T-shirt the, himself. The, just yeah, it, yeah, he does, yeah, wears it himself. And then, like, fans will come up and they'll... Um, They'll be chatting to him about how the tour's going, what mm. the what the band's up to, and he's able to answer every single question and yeah. fill him in a little bit more on, you know, bit of stuff that's behind the scenes and what have you. Nothing sensitive, just yeah. you know, inside info that's fun. Yeah. Um, and so you're right, like the, a lot of people do spend time talking to Josh on merch mm. uh, for that reason. But like you, you got to. Then they'll probably buy more because of it as well, won't they? Yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah, and and he's able to explain the albums and stuff, which albums which. Like we have two albums on the merch table and stuff, um, so he's able to explain that to him as well and give him a bit of inside information. You do make more sales, and then you on the flip side, you've got these other places that are taking the merch fees, putting these random geezers on that's selling your merch for you, uh, and taking twenty five percent plus VAT of your of your merch take with you know you have to yeah. pay for the merch guys it's, it's just mad madness it's, but, it's even know. more difficult for the for for the support bands that are on the major tours that's probably not going to break even at the end of the tour and to have that 25 percent of the where they're probably going to earn more on the merch than what they will on the tour uh and, yeah, and could be the result yeah. of you know either breaking even or even making god forbid a bit of profit for profit profit from a tour you know it, your, your merch can pay for your petrol and pay for your yeah. hotels. Um, it can subsidise a lot of losses. Sometimes you can't even break even if you do really well on merch. You know, I've, mm. I've done even like European tours where yeah. the you again, if you're a support band in Europe, mm. it sounds great to do a European tour and it, it really is. But if you're a support band and you're getting fifty quid or hundred quid mm. for the gig and you've got to get to Cologne or whatever. And that's a lot of petrol, a lot of hotels and ferry across and all that, you know, and everything you need for getting into Europe these days and stuff. So, yeah, so you're going to try and claw it back with merch and then, you know, get stung by the merch fees and stuff. But I I don't want to, like, linger on that too long. I just yeah. wanted to kind of give an example of, uh, that's just one example of, like, what, it's useful for bands to know and understand, I guess, on the way up and before they get yeah. there. So okay. When you get there and you get stung with it for the first time, it's not very nice. <laughs> it's not very nice. Well, let, let's rewind a little bit then. So before you became a band manager, what what was Neil like as a young lad growing up? What made you uh, enter the world of being in the creative industry? Uh, don't know. I think, well, going right back, I left school when I was 15, mm-hmm. lied about my age and got a job DJing. Uh, in wow. bars and stuff and then ended up doing the nightclubs in Sheffield yeah. so like literally music of in a sort has all, always been with me and in me I guess um, massive music fan of like quite your taste change well yours don't you just still like Oasis forever <laughs> but like my taste change all the time um, do you know what I mean so I've got my my taste wild, wildly changed I listen to anything anything yeah. when I was growing up um, when I was a little kid um, my mum Got, she subscribed to this uh, great, great composers. You know, the magazines where you can collect one every week and then you build up a collection of something, yes. yeah. like, build a model or whatever. This one was basically like cassettes and uh, and vinyls, and you basically just got one every week. Um, so, you know, when Tchaikovsky and Mozart and all that. So I, started, I learned that when I was really young, um, just by listening to cassettes of that, and then uh, moved into more mainstream music. I could imagine out more creeper than walking into a room where you just sat down listening to classical music, Neil. <laughs> As a kid. I know, yeah, I just got to imagine like, oh, oh God, is, is he all right? <laughs> You're coming out to play football, no? <laughs> no, but I'm all right. Black Swan, whatever it was. I'm all right. Yeah. <laughs> so, so like, what, so what happened after that then? What, what, where did your journey take you after that? So, um, I headed into... <laughs> I ended up DJing in like the nightclubs in Sheffield, like you know, you um, rocks Cairo Jacks and places oh, like yeah. that, um, back in Sheffield. And yeah. then, um, from that, went into this is the weird thing. So, like, normally when, when people say, Oh, it must be great being a nightclub DJ, and you know, obviously, you have your stories, and it was, and it was great fun, but then after a while, you think, Oh, I'm getting a bit 12 for this. So, I just wanted a day job, just wanted a nine to five yeah. day job. So, uh, one uh, one Sunday night, I just thought I was going to go get a, a job. The next day, I got an interview, got the job, started on Tuesday, uh, worked my way up in 
in management to then like uh, senior operations roles and stuff like that. I think that's where I, did that, like is that where I first met you? Possibly. In so I did, uh, went into like sales and uh, call centers and all that nonsense yeah. um, as like my main mm. way of making money, like my main form of income. Um, yeah, worked my way up to, um, this is a story for you. I worked my way up to senior operations roles. So like I was making like silly money so at the end of the month i'd get paid and i'd be like you just pay me this much for doing this job that's like that's crazy didn't get that didn't understand that at all i like nice car and all that and then it was a tuesday i remember it it was a tuesday lunchtime um and i was sat at my desk and i thought feel a bit feel a bit fed up today so i went and sat in my car Put Reverend and the Makers on, right? And um, Heavyweight Champion came on. And the lyrics just went, walk out your job, walk out your job. So I went back in, went up to the director's suite, and I just sat with the director. I said, right, I'm going to get off now. And they said, uh, all right, we'll see you tomorrow. I went, no, no, I mean, I'm getting off. That's me done. And they're like, what? And uh, like 10 minutes later, I was sat in my car driving home and just walked out on this like massive money job with nothing to go to um and then the next day woke up well when i got home that afternoon i drove in drove up to my house in my car after i just left mm. that job i just put my head in my hands going what have i done like that's just crazy and i was like now nah, you know what i'm gonna go for it i'm gonna, I'm gonna yeah. you know i'm gonna make it work and then um just basically went straight into music management and um music and pr- music promotions as well so how how do how do you how do you go straight into something like that? Do you have to advertise yourself? Do you do you are you, are you did you know the market well enough, or did you know what's yeah. out there enough to be able to? Yeah, so I, I, on on the side as well as like doing the the, the daytime job before, mm-hmm. uh, I was doing like band photography and stuff like right, that. So I got okay. to meet loads of bands and what have you. And one of them asked me to do photos from like um, live and in the mm-hmm. studio. Then I went back to the studio. and Then they said like, do you fancy giving us a go? Uh, managing is i was like i'm not a music manager i want not know where to start uh, but then when you look at it like all the stuff that i was doing like before yeah. um with like the operations senior operations roles and stuff like that um just exactly the same thing really just in a different uh, environment entirely like completely different environment so you're still working with people so you're still people manage managing um, looking at every extreme of a human being from being top of the world after a great gig to being, mm. you know, down on their ass if they're having a bad experience and stuff like that. So there's still that. And then there's all, obviously all the business side of it and contacts and finances and all that. So I, I found it, I found it really easy um, doing that. And then skipping along a bit now, like um, tour managing as much as I do, kind of just I just feel totally at home now totally at ease with mm. band management and tour management I think it's piece of cake I think the uh, promotions that I used to do when I used to put gigs on that was the stressful thing I would say mm. that, you know the promoter side of it uh, and putting uh, putting shows on actually putting gigs on and like uh, risking the cash and all that because it's obviously a risky mm. business definitely because uh, well, I can remember you trying to get me out of my comfort zone with live shows because I, I was just putting them on at the fucking parrot which was just easy it was free entry and i got yeah. a, i got a couple of quid for, for putting a few bands on so you can't really yeah. lose then you were across the other, other other side of the city like putting gigs on it like plug and that kind of stuff where you it like three four hundred quid to hire a venue so you've got to sell a lot of tickets before you break even you mind um you know the paying a band you know it's just the real how how real things are and that's not that's that's more prevalent today because the the higher costs for venues have all gone up post-covid because they're trying to claw some money back yeah especially Uh, in your neck of the woods in manchester too right they've they've all gone up it's ridiculous yeah Yeah. no it's mad i think i learned a lot uh promoting gigs and i think Mm. If I could do, if I could say anything to any band that's like, um, oh, promoters are rubbish, promoters don't do enough, promoters don't promote gigs hard enough, uh, they don't treat us properly enough. The best education yeah. you can get as a band is put your own gig on. And that's mm. not me saying, well, if you don't like it, do it yourself. It's yeah. literally learn the trade, learn every aspect of yeah. the music industry. So put your own gigs on, dry hire and, and put your own shows on just so you get that. 
understanding of the whole business side of it, you know, in, in every aspect from going out and getting the riders and how much to spend on that and uh, how much to put into promo to sell the gig out and, you know, what what's profits left, if any. Yeah. Usually none. <laughs> yeah. Usually none. So, yeah, it's, I think it's, I think for me, I think it's getting, especially with the way that music's going, what I've noticed is it's more and more important to have a solid business understanding as a band or an artist now yeah. than it's ever been in every aspect. So, uh, because you essentially seeing bands um, coming out of record label deals and pulling that and keeping that in control of themselves, same like, you know, uh, looking after publishing and things like that um, and the touring and stuff like that. There's uh, a lot of like self-control that's been almost enforced on bands, but also some bands are looking up and going, actually, this is like, a better way of doing it, you know, do it all ourselves yeah. as much as we possibly can. Seen an example of that with the uh, you know, ratings have had help along the way, but like they're a good, like they're a good example of the idea of it. I would say mm-hmm. to to at the minute to bands, but like other bands as well that are like um, setting up little businesses. I know there's a band in Manchester. I don't know if they've done it yet, but like um, setting up like their own recording studios and rehearsal space and renting it out to other bands and stuff and operating as a business. Um, and being more of an actual business. And that's where you get, that is the best opportunity, I would say, for a band to be self-sustained and, it, you know, able to look after itself financially and things like that is if they're yeah. essentially a business, you know. And it's not easy to run a business, particularly if it, if you're if you're in a band with like mates and some of your mates aren't that like-minded as well. Yeah. It can make it, well, can make it just a, a massive challenge, can't it? And it can, but I think that's where you don't necessarily have to insist that all the band are doing all the things all the time. Yeah, I think yeah. if you've got a couple of experts in your band that are like yeah. the best at something, uh, you know, they'd be the best at organising a rehearsal space and recording studio and stuff, let them set one up if they want to do it, that is. And uh, and then the other two can go off and do what they want to do artistically, you know what I mean, or whatever. As long as, uh, it's, as, long as it's summit, though, to, yeah, to, to, yeah. to get the, move the band forward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the most successful bands that I've worked with and seen and uh, met mm. and worked with, like on gigs, even or you know other stuff, uh, are the ones that are absolutely um, ravenous for it, like absolute yeah. fire in the belly. Like, and when you get all four contributing, and then you get a manager in as well, if or even without a manager, just everyone's absolutely on it, all chucking in, all uh, digging in, and all um, contributing. That they're the ones that like they do well. You can tell who they are as well from the outside without even knowing any internal information. So I, you can tell, I bet you could guess like a few bands where everyone's pulling everything in mm. to the band to make it work rather than just the lead singer or just the drummers, the organizer or whatever. Everybody's in it contributing equally. I bet you could like predict a few of them or, or guess who they are because like, they're hard to do it and, and you see it from the outside, you know? Mercians. Mercians. Mercians, obviously, you, your guys, cover sets, uh, yeah. October Drift. They, they've all yeah. got, they're, they're all, they're all so passionate and just yeah. grafting every minute of the day just to make their dream happen. Yeah. And, and, and you, like... you, you feel it when you're around those people as well, don't you? It feels different, doesn't it? Yeah. I think that's the, it, like me working with October Drift, I think that's been the biggest motivator for me to keep yeah. going and keep excited by everything because they just drag you along. You're like, you, there's no passengers in this team whatsoever. Yeah. It, everybody's on it from Josh on merch to the lads to the sound engineers that we take out on, on tour. Um, you know, everybody's firing on all cylinders all the time and it's absolutely, it, it's hard to keep up and that's how it should be. Yeah, who, who were the first band that you decided to manage and then and what did you change about them straight away? Um, so f- first one that, that I did manage was uh, it's like a classic rock band called Abandoned Faith, uh, just a local band, in, you know, in Sheffield and stuff. Um, and they were um, they were just sound guys. They'd, I think they they were doing all right in terms of just being on the local scene and stuff, but I just tidied them up, got them better shows essentially i think there's there's a lot to what i learned at that point uh, which is like my earliest point in band management and just working with bands and i think it's the same as a band as well if you haven't got a manager or whatever mm-hmm. is to turn stuff down like turn bad stuff down and don't be mm-hmm. tempted and flattered by offers but to turn it down and look at like the bigger picture and you know like the old story about how many times you play your home city and stuff like that that i've always been passionate about like mm-hmm. don't overplay um you know just like just strategize 
rather than just take any gig and just play it and then see what happens next, you know? Well, you can, you know, when I were in a band, we played Sheffield fucking five times a month. <laughs> and yeah. I can remember, like, it's, it's like one of the biggest mistakes to do because you, you, you just saturate in a crowd rather than you, you, you might have five people at every gig. Sack that off, just do one big gig with 50 people there and you'll have a miles better time. Uh, yeah. And everybody and everybody will enjoy the gig, and they might come back to another one rather than feel like they're being dragged down to, uh, you know, because of mates dragged them down type thing. They might actually enjoy it. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> like, nobody wants to see you rattling around an empty room. Yeah, you know, fourteen yeah. times a month. Yeah. And and when you were kicking about, it's like you're old now. <laughs> so like when you were kicking about with your band, uh, people used to go out to gigs seven nights a week, didn't yeah. they? Yeah. So so it was even easier then. So like now to do it, it's like that's nuts. But yeah. You know, I'm, I'm over shouting about that though. About don't overplay your home city because I think everyone's learned. Like, it, yeah. it was a time where everybody yeah. was just going nuts, uh, but I think everyone's most fans have learned now not to do that anyway. So yeah, it's unless not... it's tramlines weekend. Yeah, tramlines weekend. Yeah. <laughs> they were a band, weren't they? That were playing ten times over at tramlines weekend. Yeah, with Django. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, yeah, I've I've done that myself. I've committed yeah. that crime, and I think it was uh, great. It was great fun. <laughs> it yeah. was it was fantastic fun. You know? <laughs> um, but yeah, I think uh, on the on the actual tours around the around the yeah. year rather than the festivals, I think it's uh, important to mm. get it, get out of your hometown, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, definitely, and just just learn from what's around you and get yourself out of your comfort zone. I, I I'm always banging on about that on the podcast, you know. Like you, you, you get yourself out of your your little comfort zone, and opportunities will come your way because people see you in different surroundings, and they want a part of what you're doing as well. There's, there's worth from what everybody does, um, but yeah. if, if but if you're just in the same place doing it, nobody's going to see one it. Sometimes the, you just you just uh, actually prick my memory there. Cause like one of the things that I used to find when I again starting out as in management and stuff and working with bands is when you get bands that kind of conquer the home city let's say so like, they, they do all right you know not not talking like academy yeah. level but they do like big gigs in the home city they can sell them out and they've gone everyone has a great time and they think like oh this is it like we made it it's this yeah. fantastic but what they don't realize is all them gigs and grafting up to then in that city they've done it in one city but they've got to do it in every other one now yeah so 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 they go to leeds or they go to bristol Nobody knows them. They play to four people. So it's, you know, it's important not to get too carried away with like mm. being the king of your hometown as well, a yeah. little bit. Do you know what I mean? How how do you uh, advise bands how to get out of their hometown? Um, it's, it's support, there's a lot of support slots, that kind of stuff. I don't know. Support slots are quite, obviously, um, they're ideal because like you can just rock up and you don't yeah. have much pressure on your deal and you, yeah. you, you can get off home early as well and go to bed. But um, I think, yeah, it's like it's, it's if you take away the music aspect of it. So if you take away like the uh, the actual gigs and the yeah. CDs and the singles and the albums a little bit, and you just talk about like the people, I think um, just getting to know people in the music industry, but not begging them all the time and hassling them and you know uh, and just nagging them for stuff or asking them for anything, just getting them to, getting to know them. And I think in my job, obviously, tour manager, I do get to know quite a lot of venues promoters and stuff because mm. that's what i'm doing all the time just heading to a new venue and talking to a new promoter and a new sound engineer and a new you know whatever uh, so you, you kind of spread your wings that way so then next time i need a, a tour it, obviously working with agents at the minute but if i didn't have a like a booking agent mm. just be talking to them saying like your fans putting these on you know this band i've got uh, on a tuesday night if if need be it doesn't matter just get out get out and about and, uh, and start building that always fascinates me. How how does an agent know where to book the band for the next tour? So so they've just had a tour. It's done all right. You know, they broke even, blah, 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 whatever. How does a booking agent know to, for that, for that band to grow further, they usually pick, um, I don't know, smaller venues in places where there's just a pocket of fans there or a bigger venue if they know they're going to do all right. They tend to not do the same cities every tour as well. They, 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 they change it up a little bit. How do they, What's the mechanics behind knowing where to book a band next for a tour? It's, it's quite strategic, and I think yeah. that's where the band manager comes in as well, and the band even. Um, but usually, if you, if you get a good booking agent that actually cares about your band and it's yeah. not just business and pulling a bit of money in, they will have a strategy for your band. And, and mm. um, if your agent, if anyone's looking now that's got an agent that doesn't have a strategy for the band, then uh, change your agent. So I think mm. 
if with a good agent, you can flourish. And I think if they've got an idea of how to build, they've got experience, um, most of them. So it's like on how to build a band. But uh, like now I'm I'm putting a tour together for uh, April 24th for one band that I'm working with. Mm. And we've just, well, we're just about to embark on one that does like key cities. So like the major, major cities that they do well in uh, and ones that we think um, they could sell well in. Mm. The next one's going to be like B towns and out the way mm. places yeah. just to say hello for the first time. And you know, and you expect that like the tickets might be lower, but it's again, it's building blocks. You've got to go in and, mm. and build up, you know? Uh, and so it's like, it's kind of that's what you don't want to do is just go back and back and back and back to the big cities over and over and over again. You want, you want to spread your wings a little bit because it, it leads to further growth, you know? And that that's when you see whiny fans like, oh, you're not playing Manchester. Oh, you're not playing Sheffield. Oh, leaving us out, are you? The, the, right. Now you've got me going. <laughs> I knew you would. Let's go. I knew you would. I, I, I thought I'm going to talk to Carl today. I'm not going to let him wind me up and get me on a rant. But like, if you're a music fan, and, and <laughs> if uh, the, uh, I'm just going to get off for twenty minutes, I'll just leave you to chat, right, mate? If, you, <laughs> if you're a music fan and your band announces a tour, just remember before you post, oh, what? No, Milton Keynes or something like that. Just remember this. There's a band on the other side of that band announcement, tour announcement. It's really, been really excited about putting the tour together, and they've dropped it out. And then the first thing they get back is absolutely crushed by negative responses or it's not negative. I get it. It's like it's fans that are just disappointed that they're not coming to their yeah. town, but get on a train and go and see them. Don't whinge about it <laughs> straight back on their announcement day. Cause yeah. oh, I hate, I, I get a tour post <laughs> sometimes on social and I get ready to yeah. press post and I say, I just can't do it. Cause I know what I'm going to get. I know what's going to happen. <laughs> then 10 minutes later, it's like, what? No Manchester. It's yeah. like, Played Manchester three weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, we yeah, played yeah, Liverpool. Yeah. Where with it, where with it for that gig? Yeah, get on a train. If you if you cared that much about him, get on a train. It's nearly as bad as the rant about <laughs> bloody, oh, now you've done it. Like on midweek, mid, yeah. midweek dates, right? Yes. When fans say, uh, oh, no, it's a school night. Yeah. That, it's like, just don't post that. Don't ever post that if you're a fan. You say, it's like, like they're a child that can't go out on a weeknight. It's just like... It's a, a, yeah, but then you think like, if uh, if Nirvana did a did a reunion gig that yeah. same night in that same city, they'd be there. Yeah. Yeah. So like, let's it's not bullshit. bullshit. It's yeah. not that it's a work night. It's just that like, it's not that exciting they're just for using you. It. Yeah, they're just it's using fine, it as an excuse. Which is fine. Yeah. You know, just, just say, oh, you know, just don't say anything. Yeah. Shut up. Shut up. While we're on it, what, how, what do you feel about announcing stage times? <laughs> <laughs> Done. I mean, we're I in. 16 cups of coffee to this morning. I'm, I'm, I'm on one, you know, so I'm shattered. For, for a bit, for a bit of context, saying. Neil hates it when people uh, post, um, uh, post set times. Just tell us why you don't think it's a good idea. It comes from a good place. Yes. It comes from a good place. It's not just me being a dick, right? Okay. It comes from a good place. It's that... I found when I was promoting gigs, if yeah. you didn't publish the stage times, mm. people would turn up earlier. The, the atmosphere would bubble yeah. uh, and buzz and crackle, you know, um, and you'd have a better night overall. The mm. supports would have more people in front of them. They'd have a better night. It helps the support band grow yeah. uh, and find new fans and stuff. That's where it comes from. And then it turned into a, a <laughs> online Armageddon, didn't it, really, every time I mention it, but, because, like, you get people, they get fans going like, well, I'm getting a train, so I need to know yeah. what time you're on because I'm getting a train straight from work and I don't finish work till five. It's like, well, that's fine. Just get there when you can. <laughs> yeah. Just get, it's just, not going to change the time, but you get can. get the last get. train back yeah, from yeah. wherever it is. Yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's literally not going to change the time that you can get to the gig. Yeah. So just, just get to the gig when you can. It's yeah. fine. Yeah. Unbelievable! I, <laughs> I love that. I love these little, these little, mo these little <laughs> moments. That but it, it did it, that. That one did come from a good place. In that, yeah, I, yeah. I'm, really, I'm yeah. really passionate about sport bands having people in front of them. Yeah, no, I, especially I, if they come yeah. from out of town. You know. Oh yeah, no, I get it. And um, listing. <laughs> are you are you looking at a list of things to buy me? No, I'm not. I'm, I'm, I'm not. I'm not. I'm. I've, I've lost my train right. of thought. I, I probably I haven't. I've lost my train of thought, and I'm trying to. Uh, I'm trying to move my lips and let words talk. Uh, when yeah, it, it's it's quite selfish from people that are looking in that say that kind of stuff as well, isn't it? Because it's all it, it's all about them, and how yeah. dare you book a gig when it's going to interfere with my travel time? It's yeah. all bullshit, isn't it? That yeah, it's like 
for me, if I'm going to a gig, I'd, I'd book that night out and that's me done. I'm going to the gig. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I don't like, and, but if I've got something else to do and I think, well, I might nip and see that gig after. So I'd mm. say if I'm going to see a movie and it finishes at eight o'clock, yeah. I'm not going to ask the band what time you want. I'm just going to get to the gig as soon as I've, the movie's finished. Yeah. I, I, what else can you do? Yeah. Yeah. So. Right. Russell Band, what about him? what about like oh what, what i have seen on the news earlier is that uh that post from a band called easy life yeah easy easy jet are uh, yeah. suing them because the name's too similar to easy summit yeah they, i think they've got a history of it so like they've um they've wow. sued someone else before uh i don't know if you yeah. if you know that or uh, i can't so i was hoping you well, remind an, me what another it was, band no it weren't a band it was Just something else brand. it was like um it, again, it was unrelated yeah. to holidays. It was to- yeah. something totally different. So it was like easy food or something. Um, and, they, yeah. you know, they, they sued them. I don't know if they were successful, but Easy Life, uh, I've known Easy Life for ease. I put them on in Sheffield years ago, and yeah. um, they've just gone stratospheric. They've yeah. done amazing. Uh, really nice lads as well. Yeah. And um, then all of a sudden, Easy, easy Jet, the holiday company, decide to try and take the band name off them. It's just... Horrific. The good thing is, though, I've seen is that the music community tends to stick up for its own, doesn't it? And I yeah. think I've seen that already. Yeah. Everybody's having a pop at EasyJet right now, yeah. which might be the intention. They might just want the publicity, but yeah, it's, it's, it it's would horrific. be an amazing publicity stunt if it if they just made it up, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah, it would. Yeah, that I, I, that did cross my mind. It <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a deliberate uh, stunt or whatever. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I messaged them saying like it, it would be the ultimate trolling reply if you change your name to the Ryanairs. Like from a mechanical type of point of view, though, what, what would that band if they had to d- change the name? Yeah, would it be like starting again from a little bit promotion wise and and it, it'd, like, be it'd be a lot of money, wouldn't it? It, it would honestly be horrific. I think yeah. uh, you've seen it with like when Slaves changed their name, Soft Play. Yeah you kind of disappear yeah, uh, instantly. Yeah. Uh, so like to try and maintain momentum mm. and just keep people updated with things. And because um, you know yourself, like if if you switch your socials for any reason or whatever, you yeah. say, oh, join us on our new page, you're going to get like 5% mm. that you follow you yeah. onto the new page. So it's like, yeah, it's horrific. Mm. It's not not easy. So um, I, I do feel for him. I hope that... I hope that EasyJet just stops, uh, and I and I hope that the music con- uh, community continues to keep backing them and and you know and shouting it out and uh, shouting it down. So I think it's it's disgusting. It is, it is, and and this week as well, just in the news, lost another music venue, Jimmy's. I've uh, I went to the I can remember going to the opening to Jimmy's, and it was just like, oh yeah, nice, exciting. It was exciting to have Jimmy's in Manchester, and when that went. It's, it's it's still in Manchester now at the Road in Ancoats, but it's not a music venue anymore. So it can, it's kind of like gone as like somewhere where yeah. I went quite a lot because I used to go yeah. to Jimmy's in Manchester a right lot. So I was excited about the Liverpool one. Went to the opening, amazing setup, you know, great for bands. Stage is great, and it you know downstairs, and it's all like it's a cool yeah. cool little venue as well. Yeah, it's a shame that another one's gone, um, and it might not be the last as well. Well, I've got um, I've got a band that's due to play that um mm. in a few weeks or were due to play that yeah. they've had to move that to the arts club you know yeah. apollo junction yeah. and we'd sold a lot of tickets for it like a lot of tickets in there uh it was going to be a top night um it's a great venue and i think like red it's a music community as well that so i think yeah. red rum club you know the red rum club boys they like work there behind yeah, the bar yeah. and stuff as well um or did i don't know if they do now and um yeah it's, it's you know they are good good people um it's always been a cracking venue with the great atmosphere yeah. put october drifting there like a couple of times they've been in there uh so i've worked on that and it's mm-hmm. always been like fantastic really good amazing lights great sound good vibes and gone yeah you still see you still have you, have you had any latest with the lead mill and that kind of stuff i'm just trying to think of other venues that are going through problems um yeah. night and day that seems to have calm, calmed down in manchester they're not really talking about that anymore now so yeah, think... until the next guy moves in every week for them doesn't it? Bless him. <laughs> mad yeah. it's, it's it's just crazy i think there's some legislation that's coming in to try and help yeah. with that in the, the, that says if it's a music venue you can't move in next door and then start whinging yeah. about it which is that's how it should be yeah um i also yeah i think i feel sorry for i feel sorry for the venues that um try and do things right and try and do things properly and look after the bands and try and um, operate properly and, you know, have a nice clean 
venue that's clean and tidy. <laughs> <laughs> Do you find that they're not very clean and tidy most of the time? You go, you go in some, and you, you you go to some venues, and you you just think you don't really deserve to yeah. have a venue. Um, just just for the, like the working practices, the you know, what I mean, the, the the way they treat bands, yeah. um, the way that the the place is maintained and stuff like that. So, and then you get other ones where they might be. They might have like a I don't know, a scruffy venue, but they're trying the hardest to get in all you know, it's they're creating a community, they're having a positive effect on the music scene and stuff, and then you're right behind that those venues. And I think you because things are so competitive at the minute, I think you'll see that that the strong ones rise to the top, hopefully, and and you know, keep their position. I think it's just a shame that Jimmy's couldn't hang in because I know that yeah. the promoter over in Liverpool that that we always use it called Evol. Um they had a number of gigs on the run up to Christmas that like had sold yeah. really strongly, but Jimmy's just couldn't hang in long enough to see the yeah. benefits of that. Cause there, there were good, some big gigs going in there that had sold a lot of tickets, mm. you know, including mine. It is so a, shame. It's a shame. It's always a shame when another one goes, but um, yeah. just going back to the band manager thing, you must get quite a lot of messages, DMS and that kind of stuff from bands that are interested in working with you. No, probably scare, no. scare them off. Uh, no, you get you get do get some from time to time, but um, what I would say is the ones that I get ninety nine point nine 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 percent don't want a manager uh, or don't understand that they don't want a manager. They just yeah. want more gigs, and yeah, they okay. want someone to do the social media for them. Yeah, which I don't do. So like, it's for me, it's like some of them. A lot, most of them are from uh, bands that are like just starting out and you take a look at everything they're doing and it's like, it's completely wrong. You could make a big impact on them, but then it's like, uh, you know, straight away from talking to them that they don't necessarily put the effort in. And if yeah. they don't put the effort in, the last thing you want to do is manage a band that don't put effort in. My God. Well, I've, en- I've ended up in that situation and it didn't end well at all. Um, no. you know, it, when, 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 when there's certain things that need to be done and the bands just can't be asked with that kind of stuff, then yeah, they're never going to, they're never going to get anywhere. Are they? No, so what what I do is get the hell out of Dodge if it's that situation, yeah. you know. Uh, if I find a band and they just they, they sit there and they want everything done for them, it's not going to happen. Mm. Not going to happen. It's a team, and I think like if there's four in the in the in the band, then it's a, a team of five that that yeah. should be expected to be cracking on all 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 week, yeah. essentially all day all day every day. So that so the uh, the aggressive. Uh, the aggressive roster. Talk us through who you've got on your roster at the minute and who you're working with and 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 what's coming up for them. Um, so Apollo Junction at the minute are flying absolutely, flying high. Mm. They're doing really good. They, yeah. They've been on the last two match of the days. Um, yeah. They've just been signed up. Like, so they get their music used a lot on TV and movies and stuff. Um, they've got, um, they've just signed up to two TV shows as well. So like the music's going to be featured on that. Uh, they're on Radio 2 at the minute. Um, they've got a new album out on the 20th of October called Here We Are, which is by far the, the biggest thing they've ever done. So they, they've, in the first like week, they outsold the previous two albums put together in the first week. So like the, the momentum's there now as well. Mm-hmm. And they've got a tour that starts uh, at the end of this month in Blackpool. And then we're going... This is the tour I'm talking about where you do like key cities where you know you can do well and, yeah. and what have you. Yeah. So they're doing that and um, that tour's starting to sell out as well. And the ones that haven't sold that are selling really strongly. So that's like a, an awesome tour that's coming up for them. Um, so there's a lot to be, there's a lot of working on. So I'm working on next year already as, as we speak. So yeah. that's, you know, I've got an album campaign, upcoming tour, and then next next year's strategy and next year's gigs, I'm working with their booking agent at the minute on booking uh, and booking all them in. I'm working on next year's plan already. So that's why I'm tired. <laughs> I know, man. I'll let you get back to bed in a bit. That's why you said, oh, let's do it in the morning. I'm like, oh, great. <laughs> that's great. Um, well, one thing that I found interesting that we, when we were talking just off the camera kind of thing, you, you mentioned that the, the, the sale of the album for Apollo Junction is going that well that potentially it could chart. and then but the, me- chart, but, yeah. but the mechanics of it being able to chart means you need... Uh, tags in it you need barcodes you need do you need a, there's a system what is that system to, to yeah so you, you uh, to chart you have to be um, actually registered with the with the charts company right, which okay. um, this is all learning curve yeah. like for the band and for myself and that because we're, we're doing everything without a distributor on this one which basically means everything's 
uploaded ourselves um, onto the internet for, you know, the yeah. streaming stuff, yeah. uh, as every band does, I would imagine. Uh, and then, like, the physical stuff, like the albums, just trying to get as get as many of those sold as possible um, and make them all chart eligible. So every copy that we sell, we want to be chart eligible so it counts towards the charts. Yeah. The reason that we're doing a chart push is uh, accidental. So what happened yeah. was we put the album on sale, and it just went, it honestly went just nuts. Yeah. And you looked at like the um, the sales figures, it's like, oh my God, like if we're already pretty much chartered already with, with the with the sales figures. So what do we do? It's like, never really done a chart push before Apollo Junction. So it's like, well, I guess we'll see what we can do then, give it yeah. a go and like just see how, how far up we can get it. If it's mm-hmm. if it's number 99 after after everything, that's fine. So that's like the, it's the first chart placement, and mm. and uh, you know the, these lads are humble enough to say it's the start of our story rather yeah. than oh ninety nine or ninety eight or whatever. Yeah. If it's like top forty, that would just be Mental. unbelievable, like unbelievable. But the but the sales figures at the minute, so we get sales reports in from the independent record shops that we're using, and we're doing some direct consumer stuff ourselves through the band's label, Shedlord Records. Uh, and the sales figures are just nuts. Every time we release like a new version or a new variant or a limited edition CD or whatever, that their fans just snapping it up. And and we're also selling to like vinyl fans a lot as well. Cause we've done um Shedlord Records have done some amazing like variants and versions of it, like an ultraviolet version and a gold version, a marble version, and stuff like that. And they they've just been flying out to vinyl fans as well, because you know how collectible they are. Yeah. So everything's limited edition, so it's signed and that. So yeah, it's, it's it's kind of we've fallen into this chart thing, chart push thing, yeah. almost almost been forced into it uh, yeah. to, to see, see what happens. So it's a bit of an adventure. And is, is vinyl still hard work to get your hands on it to get orders these uh, at the minute? Now is it seems it, to have it, got better now? Not not really. It's better than it was. It yeah. can be. I think that we've got our label um, with Apollo Junction Shedlord. They they've got like great contacts with the vinyl producers. So what yeah. they do. For, for Shedlord is in between like a massive run like U2 and Rolling Stones and stuff yeah. in between those they'll press ours mm. um, you know um, as quickly as possible for him so like the turnaround time has been really good so thankfully because because the ones that we've got are nearly sold out we have to do a repress and get some more done yeah nice one and do you want to mention another band on the roster obviously October Drift last time I saw those boys were down at tram lines and I was using a 360 degree camera interviewing the boys and you were sat at the side oh, yeah. pulling, pulling faces that's how it, that's actually on YouTube at the minute if you're, if you're you. interested I'll put a link to it at the end of the podcast thanks for that <laughs> <laughs> uh, October Drift are heading out to Europe nice. um, so that's going to be like November and a big arena November. gig as well I hear. there's going to be an arena stop there as well there's, they're, they're all pretty much arenas. Are they? Wow. Yeah, all November. So it's um, wow. it's it's like I think fourteen, fifteen dates in France, Switzerland, uh, and then Switzerland, Luxembourg, and then they finish uh, the Accor Arena in Paris, which is like twenty thousand seater uh, wow. stadiums arena, isn't it? Uh, arena. Um, yeah, but they're, like, they're all pretty much arenas or massive, massive venues there, and it's it'll be like the fourth or fifth time out to Europe. They're doing really well in Europe, like amazingly well in Europe. So it, it could be that um, they end up being bigger in Europe than in England, even you know, uh-huh. which you find with a lot of bands. You know, a lot of bands are like that. Yeah, yeah. It's it's interesting how that works out, and because I can remember speaking to Martin Atkins uh, a long time ago, he used to be in Pill and that kind of stuff. He's based in Chicago now, and he teaches music out of there. And he said, yeah. "You never know where your crowd's going to be." Um, no, so it, so don't assume that. Uh, and 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 we were talking about you know bands trying to take over your home city. Don't assume that your fans are in your home city. No, you need, no, no, you'd have to get not. out there, and you know yeah. it might not even be the same country that you're in. Yeah, uh, too right. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So like um, October Drift, probably one of their main cities in England is Manchester. Yeah, Manchester is just the the home of music at the minute for me. I think it's just it's unrivaled for for getting people out to gigs and stuff. Manchester's the uh, not the easiest sell. It's not. I won't say it's the easiest sell, but it's like one of the strongest uh, for for live music in the whole country that I've you know experienced for it, sure. One 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 interesting bit of information I heard recently, and I do see uh, it just with the size gigs that I put on personally. Is that somebody told me? I think it were. I can't remember what it was, but they said uh, the uh, Manchester aren't selling as much as Sheffield and Leeds at the minute for like local 
type size gigs. It said there's something going on that's it's a bit of a challenge in Manchester at the minute around it. And I've been trying to and and I felt I've I felt it. Um maybe I, I I need to look at myself how it's promoting gigs, which is, you know, always something that I'm willing to do. But uh it's everybody's buying last minute, complete last minute. There's uh, there's definitely been a there's a massive change. So like yeah. when you announce the tour these days, like your first your first week is absolutely critical. If you don't push it in your first week, you're gonna get very as a band or a promoter, you're gonna get very nervous all the way up to the gig yeah. because it dies off, doesn't it? And, and then it like have that last glut just before your your gig itself. So yeah, there's definitely that. There's definitely that trend. And I think you know because I've put many gigs on in Sheffield, Manchester. It's every every everybody's feeling the pinch as well, aren't they? With the cost of living crisis and that kind of stuff. And the 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 the, the, the I, I think just from like thinking about it a little bit, everybody's prepared to save a bit of money and go to the big shows that might be hundred quid down at Arena or something, and then just save money and not go out midweek or a Friday one one night to see a local band. The saving money from those type of things to do the bigger things, it feels like that could be a... I, I, I don't know if it's that way around though, because yeah. if you think about it, like if, you, if you've if you got, um, I don't know, like a massive arena show that come, that's coming to yeah. town, then you you kind of, it gets announced. It's like, oh, there's a, like a, I need to go to that. So you buy that. And you've spent 100 quid or 120 quid on two tickets or one ticket even these days. Yeah. Uh, and then you're kind of stuck financially for a bit, aren't you? So it might be that, that like they haven't got yeah. that money after buying that yeah. big ticket. You know, it might be that way around. I don't know. Who knows? But and, it's definitely there. And everybody's had to put the prices up. So the, so the basic like, and this is, I've, I've tried to keep mine as cheap as possible, but at eight pound a ticket which is it's a bit of money if you're, if you're a student in it you know and you're uh, yeah and you're you're not earning you might just have a little pub, pub job and you're studying it's it's a lot of money for people and they don't make the decision to spend that money until it's last minute because if they can't make it then they've wasted that money as well so they so there's yeah. a lot of that kind of stuff going on i think yeah yeah I and just, yeah. just because high venues have gone up ticket prices have had to go up to just to try yeah. and break even and breaking even yeah. um breaking even is you know, it, it doesn't usually happen until, so, well, sometimes it doesn't happen until late on in the night as yeah. well, when you realise, yeah. hell, I ain't lost money. That's that's a bonus. I think that's that's another reason why bands need to be a little bit more patient with promoters and also um, try putting their own show on just so they feel yeah. that pain yeah, that's and, and see the challenges of it. Yeah. You know, and if they put their own gig on, they've got more of a vested interest, I guess, to some degree for selling more tickets. So they would, they'll get the, like the best case scenario really out of it, but it's still a good learning curve, yeah. you know? Yeah. And uh, I've seen you've signed another new band. I was with you at tram lines and we saw these guys live, these little boys yeah. jumping yeah. on the bar, uh, yeah. playing guitar on top of a bar, you know, the, the, how, how old yeah. are these boys? Tell us about your new signing. So they're called Revivalry. Yeah. They're, they're very proudly from Cleethorpe stroke Grimsby. Yeah. Uh, around that region, uh, so it's not it's not like they're going to pretend that they're from Leeds or Sheffield or London or whatever. They are going to yeah. be proud. They are proudly from where nice. they're from, nice. which has got a little bit of a growing music scene actually. And yeah. uh, Grimsby got Docks Academy, which is like one of the best venues in the country now as well. Like a, a new venue, that's it's amazing. So they're, they're from a good neck of the woods. Mm. They are fourteen, fifteen uh, years old, like young lads, um, raw potential, unbelievable musicians like incredible yeah. musicians um and stage confidence because the gig they just go out and gig 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 mm. the gig more than some of these bands that kick around the local scene morning that they're not getting anywhere yeah you know revival just gig just gig every weekend twice a weekend if they can yeah. um at least and sometimes after school and uh, <laughs> yeah they're doing uh they're just they're they're a band that it's my first like young band, I guess. And it's always, yeah. I've always wanted to find a band that's like really exciting at that age where you can like, wow, these have got potential and see what happens. Um, they're already booked for big festivals next year. Uh, they've got some great contacts uh, and mixed with mine. It's like, it's promising. Um, nobody's really reluctant to book them because of their age or whatever. There's a lot of people taking my word on it um, and, and booking them blind even just on the hype. And I think there's big things for them. They're, they're, they're outstanding musicians, like unbelievable. Uh, the, but the stage confidence got me. Well, you you were there, weren't you? Yeah, well, I, I can remember when when one uh, just this little kid just having it on stage. Just like, come on, get, it, get just getting people towards like to sit 
closer to them. Yeah. There's bands that have been around years that still don't do that for some reason when it's one of the most basic things to know. And they're just yeah. 14, 15. No, they know all these things and they know they're doing it. They're doing all the tricks and yeah. making it an event for not just them, for the people that are there as well. There's, there's like zero ego with them. So what they yeah. do is when they support a bigger band, uh, which they have been doing as much as possible, they soak up all the best practice from it. Yeah. And then sometimes like if we're, if we're watching that band and I'm stood behind them, I'll just tap them on the shoulder and say, don't do that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or did you see that? That's, that's a good idea. If you want to think about doing that, maybe. Uh, and they, they'll, they'll soak it up and they'll, they'll uh, take it on board and, and try and implement it. So I think because of that, because their attitude, so they've got musicianship, which yeah. they're with their instruments, they mastered them. They're unbelievable. They're already learning like how to develop the whole sonics through pedals. It's yeah. so, like the pedal work at the minute is like insane. Yeah. Um, and they, you know they're starting to write. They write their own songs as well. But the stage, the stage performance is like second to none. It's unbelievable. They, they did a support slot the other night, and the place was absolutely rammed from. So already people have like uh, words got around around their area where it just these ram venues out. It's 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 amazing, and we've not even really started with them yet. So. Um, we're just getting that off the ground, yeah. There was, so I think they, they were so year's... like down to earth and just nice young lads, just enjoying it. It, it. it were nice. It was so nice just to see somebody fucking enjoying what they're doing. Bands yeah. are so miserable bastards these days yeah. as well, aren't they? It's it's cool to be serious at yeah. the minute with, uh, with bigger bands, and I think uh, sometimes you just gotta, yeah, just get some joy in your life, aren't you? So yeah. I think revival is the name of the band, and I think uh, nice. follow them on socials if anyone's yeah. watching or listening to this. Um, and just chart their progress as we work with them because I think it's going to be exciting times. Nice one. And anybody else that you'd like to mention before we let you get off and back to bed, mate? So um, there's a there's a new band uh, which is formed out of the, uh, not the Embers, but like uh, a couple of bands are on hiatus a little bit. Yeah. So uh, we've got uh, Laurie who used to be in, or is in Weekend Recovery. They're on yeah. hiatus at the minute. And uh, Kira from the Sea Monsters. So like yeah. two bands with pedigree. Uh, they've come together to form a, a new band called Speed Dating, and I think mm. they've they've just launched and just launched the merch and all that, and uh, they got the first gigs coming up, and nice. that's an exciting project. So I think listening to uh, the, just the demos that they're doing, that's going to be special. So I hope I hope that uh, they can get out there, you know, in the, in the coming months as well. So it's like that's like an, another new project that we're working on. So how, how do you how do you find time for all of this stuff now? Just don't sleep. Yeah. Uh, don't sleep at the minute at the minute I'm going to bed at like two in the morning and get up at six because there's that much on with this album push for Apollo Junction and like everything else that needs doing working on four hours sleep at the minute and how do you look after yourself with all this going on how do you look after yourself mate well I I I like to go to the seaside every now and again just just uh, just chill out watch the sea you do you do do like going to uh, places where there's absolutely appalling karaoke don't you and yeah having fun there yeah yeah, and filming those yeah. poor bastards. Yeah, I think, I think I think anyone that's like that's got me on their social media, <laughs> like on on the, on the Facebook anyway, will will just see what what happens. Yeah, yeah. To me accidentally sometimes. <laughs> well, Neil, it's always a joy having a chat with you. Thanks for joining us today. Vital information if you're in a band and listen to this and you wanted a few tips. There you go. That's for now. Um, well, thanks for joining us today, pal. Uh, have you got much on for the rest of your day today? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, it's like it's just yeah. it's nuts. I've got I write a to do list in the morning and it, yeah. this morning's I'm just like, wow, this is gonna take till Friday. And, yeah. and by you know, by lunchtime, another ten million other things will yeah. fall in. And I know I sound like a whinging a little bit, but I'm not. I love it. I love it. And, I, and the more things that, that drop in the better. I'm like that with RGM all the time. Do you know when it's when it gets really, really, really thing? I'm, 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 it, it, it sounds like I'm like if I'm out and about having a pint with someone. It sounds like I'm moaning. I have to physically say I'm not really moaning. I'm just like yeah. just, just just saying how just, it is. Just saying how it is and just working through the motions a little bit in my head. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah I think you're doing cracking with RGM. So like, keep going with that. That's good. And uh, build up your YouTube channel in it now. Well, that's what it is. If you if you're watching this and you like to subscribe, Neil says su- subscribe, didn't you, mate? You. I, I think it's worth subscribing just to see your wallpaper because it looks like mouldy custard or something. It's <laughs> horrific. <laughs> I like it. I like the yellow. It's like Stilton, blue Stilton. <laughs> right, we're going to get off. Cheers, yeah. ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the, of the podcast, ladies and gentlemen. We'll see you next week. Toodle-oo. Nice one. Cheers, Neil. Thanks, mate. Thanks, mate.
Oh, cheers, Neil. Yes, I'm sure you'll all agree. Some uh, valuable, valuable things to learn from the podcaster. As we delve into the grassroots music industry, um, another episode has come to an end. So, have you got any gigs you're coming up? Found a new band recently? Share us, copies it, copy us on your socials and that, you know. Uh, we love finding out about new bands and what's going on. Uh, we was really pleased to support Breast Awareness Week for the Shits and Giggles podcast people uh, this week as well on Twitter. They're doing great things just to support, you know, the charity and get the name out there, wearing it pink within the music industry and that kind of stuff. That was nice this week. Um, they're doing great things. Raised up about over £1,000, I think, for the, for the charity. Nice one. So, yep, ladies and gentlemen, we are here for another week. Do delve into the archives. You can watch the video on YouTube, of course. It's on Rumble. Nobody's joining us on Rumble yet, but nobody's asked. But it's there if anybody prefers that platform. Um, I will see you at a gig uh, Friday and Saturday. I'm out about in Manchester. Uh, Paper scenes on Friday. Shed 7 Saturday. Week after Spangled. I hope Gorilla's open by then. I, I walked past Gorilla the other day when I went to see uh, Little Man Tate live. Uh, it's still got, like, scaffold up and stuff, so God knows. Hope so. Well, anyway, legitimate, uh, thanks for joining us for another week here at the podcast. We'll see you next week for some fun. Have a chat on that. I've been Carl Maloney. Have a great week, guys. Toodaloo. Welcome to RGM. Are you in a band? Come and join us. Simply click on the RGM submission page, submit your music, and we'll sort the rest. Hello. Did you know that you can support our podcast in many ways? Within the description of this podcast, you will see a list of all the equipment that we use. These are Amazon affiliate links. Clicking on these links take you to Amazon. If you buy whatever you're planning that week, we get a small kickback and you get a parcel at no extra cost. We would really appreciate your support. Or you can just go old school and donate a pound or whatever you feel is appropriate in there. Please subscribe. Tell a friend about our show. And thank you for your support. And we'll see you next week. Come on, boy.